When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes. And it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And of course, we know that the Ravens came out of London with a win 24-16. And it looks like it feels like, you know, folks have moved on because it feels like it was a win that the Ravens were supposed to have think you and I maybe had them I had them winning by eight which did it I had them uh 24 13 and it was almost that oh you were very close okay I think I had I think I I think I had something I think I had something close to that I had 21 13 I believe so I so I had them by eight but you were close you were close as well but you know we've moved along um from that win and now the focal point has been the injuries, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So um, you, Cordell, went to the castle and you saw um, that uh, you I'm not saw, but heard Coach Harbaugh speak about specific guys. Um, let, let's go through them. Um, Marcus Williams, who, you know, did make a really good play, um, broke up a nice pass, but still looks like he's struggling out there, um, is now dealing with a hamstring injury, um, and that Harbaugh says that it is week to week. So, can is it um, your thoughts on just resting this guy? Because I feel like he probably was already out there prematurely to begin with, mm-hmm. but now he has another injury. Week to week, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my whole thing about keeping Marcus Williams, not necessarily keeping him out there, but um, I, I guess the reason that I was okay with them playing him was that he still had his legs, right? He still could run. He still could utilize his uh, elite range that he has. But now with the hamstring, it's kind of like the double whammy. All right, you're playing with one arm. Now you're, you can't play with one leg, you know, so – um, it, it does seem like it's gotten to the point now. And I give him credit for trying to fight through the injury. A lot of guys you see nowadays, guys get a, I don't know exactly what his pec injury is, but most of these pec injuries seem to be season ending. Um, so for him to still strap it up and 
try to go out there and fight with his guys. He definitely deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but with him now picking up the hamstring injury and you also look at how well Geno Stone is playing as of late. He gets another interception on Sunday. Um, he just He's just been playing really well, probably having the best season of his career to this point now. Um, I, I just think there's too many reasons to not force Marcus Williams to stay out there uh, as and, and let Geno Stone go out there and get the reps. That, that's yep. kind of where I'm at at this point with it. I agree with you 100%. And I think Gino, what, is tied for first and in interceptions yeah. this season? Hey, man, he's doing a great job. And and we definitely want to see Marcus Williams back because he is an impact player. But I think we would prefer to see him um, healthy in that regard. Um, Brent Urban had a stinger issue. Um, Malik Harrison is in concussion protocol. I know that those are names that people don't necessarily hear often but um, Malik Harrison does play a lot of special teams. Brent Urban, um, just based on his size alone, um, you know, does get some play time. So, um, yeah, depending I mean, on how you feel about those guys, depends on how much impactful you think that this is. But um, it feels like those guys will be okay. But uh, I would have to think for Malik Harrison, he might not play on Sunday. Harrison could end up being a big one as well because he played quite a bit Um on the outside on defense. I mean, he had, he had 24 snaps. That's 44% of the defensive snaps that he played on Sunday. So that's a, that's a nice uh, chunk of it right there. So he definitely will be missed. You mentioned what he does on special teams, um, but they have incorporated him into this defense a little bit with all the injuries that they have to the outside linebacker right now, they are running out of bodies. Remember there's no Oway, there's no Ajabo, there's no Bowser. And now you got Malik Harrison. I mean, they, they are really going through it at that position. And, and even urban, I mean, I, I like what urban has given them uh, on the defensive line and his limited uh, amount of snaps on that side of the ball, but he's a big body. He's, he's good in the run. And I mean, he, he's one of their best in terms of uh, knocking the ball down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about him because he is a big guy, um, really tall. So he does have the range in in terms of uh, just kind of deflecting some passes and, and he's also been disruptive as well um, on the defensive line. So hopefully he's back soon. You mentioned Ajabo away. Um, Coach Harbaugh said that away is close. I don't know what that means, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess he'll be back soon and David Ajabo will be back. And it appears that he will not need surgery. So I guess that's encouraging news, but still, we don't know how long. I definitely think that this team could use a way um, because he, I think he played well um, in that first game. And so, you know, you want to see him ascend, but he's not getting the snaps because he's injured. So um, that's concerning. Luckily the Ravens do have, um, Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy has played well as well, but Oway really, hopefully he's healthy soon because you do want to see him out there um, getting the reps so he can get better and then play alongside guys like Clowney as well. Yeah, I mean, they they always been was playing well, I thought, um, before he got hurt. And it, they just need some bodies back on the edge. They They just need you know, to get some of these guys back because it's been great with Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney has been able to give them. 
Um, but they need to get back to getting some of these young legs back on the field as soon as possible. Look, I don't know what they're going to be able to get out of a Jabo at this point. If he does, I mean, it seems like he will return. And Harbs a couple of weeks ago has said that a Jabo has a decision to make. And that seems to be what Harbs is quote just, of the year is. Yeah, he keeps yeah. saying things like that, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it seems, even if he does, because we've seen Marcus Williams, who was one of those people that he said that about it. We've been talking about how Marcus Williams has looked hampered since he's been out there. I don't know what version of David Ajabo we're going to get whenever he does return. The biggest one, and, and this is the one that you um, kind of alluded to in terms of decisions to make, um, is Coach Harbaugh talking about Tyus Bowser and his injury. And he said that that situation is a little bit more difficult to explain and that, quote unquote, he is going to have some decisions to make. Now, the interesting part about this, Cordell, is that we don't know what's going on with uh, with Tyus. I mean, we uh, believe it to be a knee injury we are, but we don't, we have not been told what's going on. The Ravens have been mum about it. Tyus has been mum about it. So the only thing that makes sense to me is like, maybe there's some type of um, PCL, ACL injury that potentially needed that, that was similar to like what Lamar was dealing with, but maybe it's a tear that requires surgery. And this is me speculating because I have no idea. What is going on with Tyus? And yes, people will sit here and say, well, you do a show with Tyus every other week. And this is very true. Tyus has still not said anything to us, mm -hmm. though, about his injury. Mm -hmm. So all I can do is speculate just based on the little bit of information that we've been told. So what are your thoughts on the Tyus situation? Yeah, it's it's been one that I have been that that I've had my antennas perked up about really since camp maybe even before camp. I mean, you could go back to our first episodes of this season where we were talking about Tyus Bowser and I have been concerned about him from day one. Um, it just seems like everything's been a regression with him. Uh, you come in from last year, obviously he returned last year, but he wasn't himself. We anticipated this year kind of being the, the healthy year for Bowser, but he showed up this off season and, you know, he had, he was hurt. And from my knowledge, it seems like it was an, I mean, a non-football type of injury. Uh, maybe he got hurt training or something like that. Uh, but their timeline for him has changed a couple of times, uh, I believe. And so mm -hmm. now they're to the point now to where I don't think they know exactly what to do anymore. I'm sure it's a frustrating situation for them. I'm sure it's a frustrating situation for Tyus. Um, so I, I'm, I'm as puzzled as you are about this whole thing. And it it just seems like this thing is coming to a head. Like, I I just get the feeling that this is probably it after this year uh, yeah. between, between the two sides. I mean, it, it just off of what's happened uh, to this point, it just seems like, they're they each probably want to are ready to go their separate ways when they get that opportunity. Um, but yeah, John says Tyus will make it, you know, he's leaving the door open for Tyus, I guess, to make an announcement, whatever that announcement may be. Maybe he'll do it on you guys' show. But yeah. it just seems like it, it just seems like whatever announcement that's going to be isn't a good one, right? Because I feel like if it was good, John would have no problem saying it. 
Yeah, I, I am curious to know who is going to be the one that says it. And I, I don't look, I think I think that when Tyus is healthy, he's definitely a guy that this uh defense no um, needs and 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 it, he's a very good player, but it does feel like you wonder if you're at the end of the road in terms of Tyus's time here in Baltimore. Um, you know, unless he decides to come back, I don't know for and and have and, and get a smaller, a lesser deal. I don't know. I mean, it just I, I I don't know what this means for either side. Um, but ultimately, hopefully, we'll find out soon what's going on with Tyus. Um, but yeah, the defensive injuries are piling up or have already piled up and yet this is still a defensive unit that has been spectacular now they can't afford any more major ones for sure um but ultimately i think that this group has been resilient and um coaching good coaching has found a way to help these guys um in terms of making up for things that they were lacking the ravens are second in sacks uh, but when you start looking at the guys that are a part of that, it's not necessarily guys that you think. So um, luckily for them, they have a defensive coach in Mike McDonald that is able to really mask a lot of these injuries. So it will be interesting to see moving forward. All right, Cordell. So one of the things that uh, has been very interesting to see is the evolution of Lamar Jackson. And I don't mean interesting in a way that like we didn't expect to see this. I have always been a person that has noted that Lamar has been a guy since college that has gotten better each year. And he is a guy that works very hard in becoming a better football player. That has always been his MO and it continues to be the case. And so for Lamar um, and this new offense and new players, as of right now, it really does feel like Lamar is doing great things in this offense. Um, Kyle Van Noy was on the Pat McAfee show uh, on Monday, and he was asked about Lamar. And, and, and to be fair, the McAfee show is very, um, they speak very highly of Lamar. They think very highly of him anyway. But in his short period of time being here, because remember, Van Noy was not on the week one roster. He got Mm -hmm. here because of some injuries. You know, he mentioned that, and and this is what he said, I believe Lamar Jackson has grown tremendously. People need to start paying attention because he's really doing an incredible job of delivering the football this year. And I completely agree with that. His mechanics looks so much better. His footwork looks so much better. You can see him progressing through his reads, um, which, I mean, I've always felt like, Lamar was more than a one read guy, but I'm talking about scanning the entire field and and making plays. I do think that Lamar has um, ascended and I want to give you some, I guess, some information that I don't know, you know, because as of right now, the numbers don't tell the story, right? What they're going to tell you is, is that Lamar has five touchdowns and three interceptions. When we all agreed that Lamar should have had more touchdowns in the Steelers game than, you know, projected because of dropped passes. So we know that he should be doing better, but because of his teammates, he was not able to have the record that he has. But I will say this, last year in 12 games that Lamar played, he was at he he played 22 he had 22 42 yards, 2242 yards. 
Um, and then in six games already here, he is at 1,253 yards. So Lamar is already, to me, on pace of having uh, almost 4,000 yards, potentially a 4,000-yard season, at least at least 3,500 yards we're looking at right here. Now, the touchdown interception ratio is not going to be good because of, again, the situations in terms of the drop passes and such. But he also has essentially 70% completion percentage 69.9 i was taught in math class that you round that nine <laughs> off to the nearest one and that right. is 70 percent um so he's already doing good in completion percentage this is his best completion percentage thus far in his career by the way um and including um that 2019 year he only has he, he completed 66 percent of his passes as of right now he's doing essentially 70 percent of his passes when you watch him play he does look like he is in much more of a command at the quarterback position under center and in the pocket as he has in years past what is your thoughts yeah i mean i i agree he just seems more confident as a passer uh in that clip uh that you were referring to from Kyle Van Noy. Van Noy references one of, one of the passes that Lamar makes that ends up being an incompletion. Um, but you can yeah. still, so contrary to what casual NFL NFL fans believe, not every incompletion is a bad throw. Um, sometimes you got to kind of just look past the results and, and just look at it for what it is. And he talks about a play, a play where Lamar is kind of scrambling left and still and, and just flicks his wrist and is able to throw it back across his body, just overshoots his receiver a little bit, but he overthrows, he gets the ball over the defender. He has that touch to be able to put it over the, the defender. And the touch is the thing that I think Lamar has really uh, improved at the most this year. If you look at Lamar throughout his career, especially on some of those deep passes, it's almost like a rope, like a frozen rope. It doesn't have uh, much of an arc. He really yeah. just throws his, his passes right on a line. And this year he has, you look at some of those passes. What was it? The pass to Zay Flowers. Um, I want to say not this week against the Titans, but the week before against the Steelers where, where Zay goes out of bounds. He hit Zay on the sideline. That, that type of throw before, I think Lamar throws that out of bounds. I, mm -hmm. I think it sails right over his head and goes right out of bounds. But this year it's just something about knowing how to put the right amount of touch on the ball, he's surveying the field really well. We're not just seeing him lock into Mark Andrews. We're not just seeing him lock into Zay Flowers. He had seven complete. He had completions to seven different guys midway through that game on Sunday. He's surveying the entire field. So that's right there shows you the progression uh, that he has has had as a quarterback. You'd like to see him be a little more uh, on time in his passes. He still isn't there to where it's three-step drop, and once he gets off that back foot, the ball's coming out. Uh, that's not always there, and it's a combination of reasons that could be the case. You know, receivers may not be open right away, or the line isn't giving him the time to uh, necessarily just get to just set his feet right after that third step, or maybe he's missing a read. It's a combination of a lot of different things, but there's no way you can look at Lamar this year and not say that he has um, progressed as a as a pure quarterback. I mean, he's dangerous. He's dangerous yeah. right now. I mean, and he, Lamar's been dangerous his entire career, but I think what makes him more dangerous right now is that look, we already know what he can do with his legs, right? I mean, he he can take off and get 10 yards literally 
whenever he wants to. But yeah. it's the fact that he now has the confidence, and I don't want to say the confidence because I think Lamar's always played confident, but it, it's the fact that I think this offense now and some of the new weapons that he does have has it now allows him to feel more confident in the guys around him, even though they haven't, you know, and, and that Steelers game was really a blemish. They haven't had the drops haven't been as big of an issue as it was for them in that game all year. So I I don't want to over analyze the drops. It was a bad day for them in that game. But other than that, the drops haven't really been an issue. Now the miscommunications are a little bit of an issue. We saw the interception, him trying to get it to Bateman. That type of stuff has happened a couple of times this year. They have to clean that up. Um, But I, I do think the byproduct of him being in a new offense and him having new weapons at his disposal now allows him to beat teams in other way in, in more ways now than he was before. Teams have to watch, they have to watch what's going on out there. They can't just key in on Mark. They can't just key in on Lamar. They have to at least respect all the other receivers that they now have on the field. And Lamar's doing a great job of hitting these guys. I mean, he's everybody talks about his completion percentage being high because they're not an air raid offense. He's thrown the ball down the field. And when he has more times than not, it's been an accurate ball. He's he's making the passes. He's making high efficiency passes. He's making passes. He feels like he can make, he's not just going to throw the ball down the field just to do it. Um, So I I trust his eyes right now. I, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. He's just playing confident. He's playing smart. Once, and, and we didn't get a fumble this week, which is good. But once he gets over the turnover bugaboo, which really hasn't been a major issue for him throughout his career, um, I, I think Lamar will really take his game to the next level. I agree. I mean, I just feel like, you know, he's already done that and that I am not absolving Lamar of criticism because I, I definitely still think that there's some opportunities there that he misses on in the passing mm-hmm. game. And obviously the fumbles have been an issue and he has to find a way to protect the football. And he's mentioned that, right? But a lot of the factors in terms of like what's happening with this offense to me are the offensive line not necessarily doing what they can and also the receivers just not being in a position where they can. Because you mentioned like Bateman, to me it looks like Lamar thought that he was going out like a, a out route and then it, then but then Bateman looks like he's doing like a curl or comeback or something like that so it just doesn't look like that they're on the same page so the miscommunications the drop passes those things are affecting what his numbers should look like because Lamar is having a really good season and where it's not reflecting based on a stat sheet. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean that he's not being a very good football player. And again, Kyle Van Noy just got here. You know what I'm saying? Like, he literally is a guy that has been uh, with the Chargers, with the Patriots. He has not been a Raven but for a couple of weeks at this point and is the guy that is already telling you, hey, look, Lamar is, is is playing really good football right now. And um I'm a I'm going to disagree with him on telling people to pay attention. Don't pay attention. <laughs> Don't pay the Ravens no mind over here because let them quietly do their thing. Hopefully this offense can get it together because they are still trying to figure out a way to do better essentially in the second half where they are not good um and they're not playing good football. Uh but once they do hey, I think it's going to be a problem. So I definitely agree that Lamar is 
playing at a very high level, despite what his statistics might say on paper right now. Okay, Cordell, this is the conversation that is one of praise, Mm -hmm. but one of concern for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, Mr. Patrick Queen. I have been an advocate for Patrick Queen since his arrival in Baltimore um, during the 2020 season. I thought that people were very hard on Patrick Queen. You know, sometimes I think that because a guy was drafted in the first round, we automatically assume that those guys are going to be immediate impact players. And it doesn't always work that way. However, you saw the potential. He just didn't really have it all together. Um, And then last season, even before Roquan got to Baltimore, he was really playing well. And then Roquan arrived. And those two have been a tandem that really are one of the best in the National Football League. Um, He has played such a great role into the, what the defense of the Baltimore Ravens has done when they need a guy that can hit the hole and and make some stops. Patrick queen is there when they need a guy to rush the passer. Patrick queen is there. The problem though, is that Patrick queen is not under contract after this year. Remember the Ravens declined his fifth year option. And so he will be a free agent unless they, tag them of course but we know that the Ravens typically don't do things like that um and I don't know if they would do that having a Roquan Smith already so it does feel like Queen is pricing himself out of Baltimore what are your thoughts it does feel like that I'm not surprised by that because he's done nothing but get better each year of his career so you knew that this was probably going to be the best year yet um, and that's what it's been for him. I said it the other day. He's the team's best pass rusher. Easily. I, I think it's easy. Um, I think he is one of, if not, the key to this defense. Uh, Roquan is obviously Roquan. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think people give backhanded compliments to Patrick Queen when they talk about how good he is. And then they mentioned, yeah, but it didn't start until Roquan got here, but, or it's because Roquan's it just, this dude has been excelling each year in his career, even before Roquan got here. And like you said, last year, he was, he was trending up before Roquan joined the team. So I don't really buy into that. I think I've always thought Patrick Queen was unfairly criticized. Um, I just think when you're a middle linebacker drafted in the first round to Baltimore, it comes with certain expectations that aren't fair. Um, Not everybody's going to be Ray Lewis. It's only one Ray Lewis, and that's just the way it is. People forget Patrick Queen didn't even play a lot of football coming out of LSU. It was his first year as a starter. People forget Patrick Queen is one of the youngest players in the NFL right now. So this dude is just scratching the surface of how good he's going to be. Um, And I know it's very unlikely that he remains in Baltimore going forward, but I think it's going to be a monumental loss if he leaves the Ravens. I I think it's it's a very, very good chance that that happens. 
And currently, when you look at the roster, because they have like a Trenton Simpson, you know, they have guys that they, they have linebackers, uh, Latavius uh, Robinson. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would be. There's nobody on the roster. There's nobody that's queen. I can't come up with anybody. I mean, you would have to literally go out and draft a new guy Mm -hmm. because, look, I love Malik Harrison. We talked about him, you know, a couple segments ago about the injuries. But Malik Harrison, because he came out, I believe, in the same draft. They were supposed to be the two guys. Right. Coming out of Ohio State, you know, people were high on him, but he was also a middle-round draft pick. Let's be real with ourselves. You know what I mean? And I think that he's been serviceable for sure. I think that Malik Harrison is a good football player. He's not Patrick Queen. (laughs) Let's be honest here. I just don't know who on this roster currently um, would be able to do what Queen does. And I think that you – I think that you have to – if you're the Ravens, you do have to make a decision. I, I mean, you know, do you want this defense? To, I understand that there's going to be other guys down the field, down the line that's going to need big paydays because you got Matabike that you have to make to make a decision about. Uh, Clowney, you got to make a decision about if you want him to come back. Um, and and at some point, Kyle Hamilton, although this is only his second year, mm-hmm. and so they have time. At some point, you know, his agent is probably going to be like, hey. My guy wants his contract too. So what's going on? Oh, Geno Smith by the, uh, Geno Stone, excuse me, Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Geno Stone, by the way, has played well. So I, I don't know what the priority is, but I think that Patrick Queen should be a priority for the Ravens. Um, I understand that there's a lot of defensive guys that's probably ahead of him, but I also feel like potentially letting him go could be. Ugh. It, and I don't want to see it. That's all I'm saying. As I'm, at the, I don't know at the, if there is anybody that's ahead of him right now on the defense. Like, is Matt because Matt Abike is in a contract year. And who are you prioritizing right now? As we sit here today, if you got to pick between Matt Abike and Queen, who are you keep? I mean, honestly, I'd say probably Queen because you've got Brent, you got Travis Jones, you got Brett Broderick Washington. Brent Urban seems like he's never going anywhere. I mean, so. You could draft interior defensive linemen, and sure, you could by that logic. Maybe they believe that Roquan is so, so great of a player that they could go and draft a middle linebacker that can come in and play next to Roquan. Will maybe not right away there, Patrick Queen, but they believe that maybe in time they could get that same type of Patrick Queen type of production from the young guy. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what I believe. But just trying to get inside their head. I, right now, for me, though, I'm prioritizing Patrick Queen over everybody else on the defense just because I look at that second level as their nucleus right now. That That's the nucleus of the defense, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. And, yes, Roquan is a stud, um, but we don't know what it'll look like once Queen is gone. You know what I'm saying? And at this point, he is playing like one of – the better inside linebackers in the league uh, at this point. So it'll be a monumental loss. We've heard Eric DaCosta in the past say that they want to keep Patrick Queen on his team. And I'm sure they do at their number. Uh, But Patrick Queen is probably going to have a different number in mind. So I don't know if they'll be able to get this done. I I, I don't know if they decide to, because it'll probably be cheaper for them. I would imagine to sign Matabike and maybe, uh, and, and then if they do decide to franchise tag Patrick Queen, go that route, 
and see if they could get a deal done maybe the next year or that off season. But I, it doesn't, I'm not optimistic that Patrick Queen is in Baltimore long-term. I don't know how feasible that'll be financially for the Ravens, but it's going to be a big time blow. It's going to be a major blow to the team. I completely agree with you. I just, I mean, I'm sure that the Ravens are already um, having contingency plans on who are their priorities to keep. And I mean, I, I, I don't know if Queen is on that list, not because they don't need him or don't think that he um, should be there, but from a numbers perspective, like how much is he going to demand and how much are they willing to say they're willing to give him? Um, and that's going to be the concern. But I would love to see Queen and Roquan grow old together in Baltimore because that would be a tandem that would be very scary for years to come. So we'll see how this goes. But um, I am very proud of Patrick Queen. I, you know, he's done. He's dealt with a lot of adversity from fans, probably from coaches, too. And now he's playing very good football right now to the point where we're having a conversation about Queen potentially uh, pricing himself out of Baltimore. So kudos to you, Queen. Uh, we are very proud of your accomplishments. Um, the next episode, we'll be previewing the Detroit Lions, the five and one Detroit Lions Cordell. I mean, I, I, it, it, we could say who saw it coming, but I did. I think Glenn and I both po uh, thought that the Lions would win the NFC North as of right now. They look like they're on pace to do that. They are playing very good football right now. They are one of the more complete teams in the NFL. Um, so this will be interesting to discuss. Uh, I am very nervous but excited about this matchup. Mm -hmm. So you and I will break down the Lions game uh, and we'll talk about who we think will come out victorious as the Ravens finally come back home and what it feels like forever. Yeah. I don't know when the last time they played at home. Do you? It's been a minute. It's <laughs> almost a month now. It's been a month, right? Yeah. Unreal. Almost a month. So we'll be talking about that uh, more when we come back. On our next episode, we want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 